What up, mountain athletes? Corey here. I want to tell you about an exciting new service that's now available to the podcast listeners. It's called the Mountain Wellness Dispensary. Mike and I know how hard it is to navigate the supplement world. To know if you're taking the right ones. Sometimes you question if you're just wasting your money. So we make it easy for you. All you got to do is head over to our website at mountainwellness.life. Click on the dispensary tab and set up a personal profile. Once your profile set up, you'll be able to browse all of the recommended supplements you hear about on the podcast, and you'll be able to browse many other products trusted by practitioners, physicians, and human performance coaches in our space. Again, head over to our website at mountainwellness.life, click on the dispensary tab, and you'll be on your way to shopping the top health and performance supplements in the industry. Mountain Wellness, optimizing human performance to extend longevity for mountain athletes. What up, mountain athletes? Welcome to another episode of the Mountain Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Reed, and I'm joined, as always, with my mountain brother and co-host, Mr. Mike Mahina. What's going on, my dude? Ah, California to Big Mo. I'm excited to be here, man. Big Mo Mo's heating up. The weather's starting to get warmer around here, bro. Oh, I was talking to someone in, in Missoula, I guess. I don't know exactly where that is in relation to you, but they, they were saying it doesn't get as cold as where you are, but uh, it was still pretty cold. It was like 25 degrees. Really? Well, I don't know because I've never, I haven't spent a lot of time over in Missoula, but from my understanding, Missoula is like, it's, uh, they're like in the mountains. They got a big mountain. Oh, is that right? I, yeah. So they get a lot more, uh, I know they get a lot more snowfall than we do. Because we're high desert. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, we're at right around, I think, 30, 35, 38, somewhere. Just under uh, four. So, so we're not that high. And I was thinking about that because um, it surprised me. I kind of forgot about the elevation. I hadn't looked for a while since I moved here. and uh, But that's like perfect training elevation for a mountain athlete. That whole like uh, train high, sleep low. Um, ah, so yeah. I, I, I think of it as like train high, recover low. Cause we got the recovery, recovery den right at the base of the Elkhorn. Ooh. So as we expand, um, you know, mountain wellness and, uh, all the different areas, I can definitely see this being a destination for mountain athletes to come and, uh, to prep, do some training blocks. Because if you spend, you know, say four or six, eight weeks here, uh, have the resources at the recovery den from, you know, all the, the the recovery aspects, massage, yoga, saunas, um, good nutrition, but then you can head up to the mountains, be on trail, be up in elevation, six plus thousand feet. That's good prepping for a race. That's in elevation for that matter. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Because you guys are at about what, three, you guys are around 3,000 feet, I think, somewhere in there? Yeah, just under four. The recovery den is at the base, the Elkhorn, so uh, we're a little bit higher than Helena. But Helena's high desert, which is my favorite climate, to be honest. Um, I love high desert that's right at the base of an alpine mountain range. I think that's like my favorite place to live. And maybe it's because it stems from my childhood. I grew up in you know, the first 12 years of my life. I was in Antelope Valley in uh, Palmdale, so you have... 
which is high desert with the right. San Bernardino mountain range that, you know, you grew up looking at and that's a big range. That's San Bernardino mountain range is higher than the Elkhorns here. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, isn't that a crack up? I, I th- other, than, other than the pollution, it's a great spot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what it's funny. Uh, being from Southern California, um, obviously I know how diverse uh, California is from oceans to mm. the deserts to the mountains, but mountains in particular, there's so many Montanans or people that live in the Northwest that haven't done any mountaineering or any uh, uh, adventuring in the California mountain ranges. And they don't realize that, dude, uh, our ranges, well, not only do we have, uh, I say we being my home state, but Mount Whitney, the highest peak in the Western continental. So California has got a lot to claim. Yeah. Eastern Sierras, man. It's an, it's an intense area for, well, we based a lot of our, uh, breathwork course on stuff we did in the Eastern Sierra going over mountain passes and, and high elevation. I mean, it's, it's intense up there. That's right, dude. Um, and that's exactly what this, uh, episode is about today. We we're pretty excited. We're anticipating a release of our high performance breathwork course. And, uh, what we're about three, four weeks out right now. So yeah, Mike and I thought it'd be Pretty cool to share with you guys today our journey into breathwork, how we got basically like our experience with it, how we both came to practice it and uh, become passionate about it. And because I, we, we both have a completely different story into breathwork. Right. And you realize we spent probably a year on this project with research shooting multiple times in Montana, up in the Sierras, up multiple San Bernardino. And you realize, Wow, spending this much time, I've never spent this much time on a project that meant so much to me. And you realize to stay with a project for a year, uh, you know, you have to be invested. You have to believe in what you're doing because you know it's going to make a difference in someone's life. I mean, that's what it came down to for me in a lot of ways. I just thought, you know what, this could really help people, man, if they understood what we've got here. Yeah, we've been talking about it on the podcast now for, you know, over a year, just about a year. And uh, a lot of you regulars are probably maybe wondering, well, what's taken so long? And, you know, going back to the very beginning, Mike and I knew that we wanted to uh, create a a high-performance breathwork course. Um, And at that point, it necessarily wasn't high-performance. It was just how do we bring uh, breathwork to mountain athletes, like the, the benefits of breathwork. We both had such a um we've had profound um benefits from a performance standpoint especially in elevation with the practices that we've implemented so but that was a big undertaking because we didn't know like we're like how do we put something together like this it was completely completely uh unfamiliar so well and i i think of it as as, as thriving in hostile environments because is elevation is much like in a way, strength and conditioning. When you guys are doing a, a hardcore circuit and you're, you know, you're moving and you're doing box jumps and and uh, 
you're working the bar, all those things, that's a, it's, it's in a way a hostile environment because your body's under a lot of strain. And that's the way I look yeah. at it. It's same, same thing at high elevation. Your body's under a lot of strain. And so how you function and how you breathe under that strain is so important. Right. Yeah. And that's, so there was a lot of, a lot of self-experimenting uh, once we decided we wanted to put the course together, but uh, I can remember the very first trip you flew out to Montana. Uh, we locked ourselves up in the recovery den. Uh, we got, you know, thousands of dollars of, of equipment, production equipment. And it was like, all right, what do we do? And you and I were both sitting there like, all right. Um, we kind of had to like literally create a game plan, but within, you know, a few days of starting to shoot the the videos, we quickly realized, well, right now it's not as much about shooting the modules as it is about developing, developing the methodology. So mm-hmm. you uh, and I needed to first- be in the same room just to, to like hash it out. Like that was so important because of our, our, like you said, our journeys, our experiences were different enough that when we got together and started talking about it, we're like, Oh, and so all of a sudden we're back to writing and like, but that kicked it down the road way farther. Like that research and that, that talking it out. It did. Cause it, it made me realize one, you were like totally into different areas of breath work practices and even your research and the areas I was digging into were a lot different. So when we both got in to this, the same place and we're like, you know, I would, I would rattle off something and you're like, well, actually that's not, you know, the current research is not, not suggesting that. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but well, that was amazing and that was necessary. Um, so I think that's a yeah. great starting point, uh, as far as like, you know, uh, sharing our individual stories for me, it was fitness. That's, that's where I found breath work. And, mm-hmm. you know, this goes all the way back to, Oh gosh, when was Seal Fit? 2013 or 14? Somewhere in there. Um, yeah, it might even be just, 2012. Yeah, it was back. Yeah. yeah. I think I want to say 2012, so but maybe, yeah, right around there. Right around there. Let's just say 10 years ago. Um, so I've been practicing breath work or I was exposed to breath work uh, 10 years ago um, and have been into it ever since. Now, uh, by Navy SEALs, no I, less. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't <laughs> just I was in it. It was these guys were high performers. Right. Why and that's where it? it was. It was put in a different context and it was in the environment. So I'll briefly sure. kind of cover SEAL Fit. Um, at the time, I was heavily involved with CrossFit. I was competing at a high level as an adaptive athlete, actually in some able body team events with CrossFit Los Angeles. Um, I was very fortunate to uh let's just say be at the right place the right time and meet the right people and with that Mm. i had an opportunity and and was introduced to mark divine uh, founder of seal fit and mark's basically mark's story he was a retired navy seal 20 years um and he is very interested in training individuals on basically prepping them to be Navy SEALs. So once he retired, he's like, how can I create a training program that can um, help uh, guys that want to be Navy SEALs or operators pass BUDS training? Well, that was, his original focus was was operators um, and stuff like that. When, and CrossFitters being CrossFitters got wind of this, the high level com- competitors, and they started doing the SEAL FIT program. 
well, I got a chance to do it. I got invited through this, this special, uh, non, or, um, it was basically through transition possible. We were raising money for vets and it was a really cool opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, um, they put us through a whole buds like Navy seal boot camp experience. And a big, big part of that was cold water exposure. Um, and uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, that's where, uh, all those visuals just know. came across my, I just saw all, I just remember you guys being soaked and cold, man, shivering, all that stuff. I just, it all flashed right in front of me because I was there. Oh, uh, it was, I'll tell one story because it, it's, so there was one moment and this will kind of wrap up the whole experience. Let's just say it was 12 hours of this, but there was one moment, there was a, a seal that took sort of a liking to me and his name was Shane and Shane figured out really quick that I hated the cold cause I'm, I'm lean. I have no body fat on me. And I was cruising through a lot of the other water evolutions from like, you know, just they're blasting me in the face with the hose and, and that was not making me anxious or, or panicky at all. And, I, and mind you, there was other guys that were trying to quit when they lay on the ground and like do some waterboarding stuff, like with the hose. And, yeah. uh, so with that, I was the first one in the ice tub and, um, let's just say I didn't do very well in the ice tub shaking uncontrollably. It just, it was miserable. And it, it, it put me into that sort of panic fight or flight response. Um, and we had already learned a breathing technique. Interestingly, the night before, remember, uh, Mike, we went to that big old, like, uh, that old movie theater house. And we had that, uh, like Mark came out on stage and, and they had that video role. And then he came out and like talked about seal fit and what we were going to do the next day. Right. And, uh, I remember that, that was, was yeah. yeah. Yep. And he brought us, he did, he actually showed us this, this technique, this box breathing technique that operators use to basically calm themselves down. Well, that, came full circle the next day when I'm sitting in this ice tub and Shane's like, stop shaking. You're not cold. Like just get, you know, get control of your, your breathing and, and do this certain technique. So he coaches me through this. This was a, an, I don't know. It felt like 10 minutes. I was in this ice tub and we get to the, get to the point where I stopped shaking and I do get control of, of the shaking through breath, which was definitely a, a big moment where you realize, okay, I do have, I can control a lot through my breath, even in in an extreme environment like this, like ice water up to my neck um, had already been in there for, you know, multiple minutes. Hypothermia is definitely setting in, but by gaining control of my breath, I was able to calm, calm down. Well, at that point, Shane's like, yeah, you're you're feeling pretty good, huh? Feeling confident about yourself. And uh, of course I didn't answer him. I learned not to put my foot in my mouth, which I did yeah. earlier. <laughs> you did learn the hard way a couple of times. Yeah. And, um, I was so in water grabbed- polo. Oh, Worley, where are you read? <laughs> I was like, Oh no, don't say anymore. That's how I ended up in the ice tub the first time. So, yeah, awesome. um, he, he proceeds to say, open your mouth. And I'm like, what? He's like, open your mouth. He shoves a water bottle in my mouth, a plastic water bottle. So it's the mouthpiece is in my mouth. The end of it is cut off. And he goes, that's your snorkel. And immediately I start shaking uncontrollably again. And it's just this whole, you know, he basically goes through the exercise, get control of your breathing. 
when I say three, two, one, go, you're going to go under the water and you're not going to come up until I tap on the side of the tub. Um, and let's just say going under, uh, in ice water like that, it's, it's like an instant migraine, but oh, dude, it's terrible. I tried it. Yeah. I remember how bad it was. Cause I went back the first time and he, they were, he was making me do it with my head back and the bottle tilted up. So I couldn't pinch my nose off. And then water started pouring in through my nose down my sinuses and i'm gagging and he's i'll never forget he's like you're trading a new system and i'm thinking to myself i've been in the water my whole life i've never like never trained this system before i didn't know you could like (laughs) tilt your head backwards in water and like block off the water flow into your nose (laughs) so but anyways that was man but you had to have your breathing down like when you once you go underwater, you you have to know how to breathe in. Otherwise, just, you're you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and it was like now knowing too it, the preparation going in. There's ways to to downregulate the nervous system before going into you know a, an ice tub like that. But that was the whole process of you know basically seal fit is the whole experience is um, stress inoculation putting. You, you into extreme environments, giving you an evolution to complete with a team. Um, and really you learn how to control that, that stress response, because when we stress, we stress out, we don't make good decisions. It becomes really hard to assess and prioritize and do all the things that require. Especially uh, something you haven't done before. Like if, if they were, you know, they're throwing things at you that you had never done. And those are the ones that are, are going to trip you. Cause if you, if you miss one thing they say, or like you're already hyperventilating, if you're already shaking from hyperthermia and you're already out of your element yeah. and then they're throwing something new at you, you know, that's just, that's just, that's all the pressure you need to, uh, you're under a lot of pressure in that moment. Yeah, exactly. It's high pressure. One of my favorite evolutions was the five gallon bucket, um, on two five gallon buckets. So they set one up. It filled to the top with water with Dixie cups in there in the one bucket and the bottom of the Dixie cups had a hole in it. And then about 20 yards away, they put another bucket that was empty and they said, and you know, there was like four stations set up four teams going in each shuttle. And they said, all right, you know, three, two, one go. You're going to, it basically, we want you guys to transfer as much water as you can from point A to point B from bucket to bucket. So, Everybody takes off. They're scooping the cups out of the bucket. Um, you have this full Dixie cup with water. And as you're walking, by the time you get to the next bucket, <laughs> the, the hole in the bottom, there's no water left. They timed it just perfect. So everybody finishes. Obviously, there's no water in any of the buckets on the other end. And uh, we go through the debriefing. And he goes, so no one got water in the other buckets. Um let me ask you a question. How come no one picked up the five gallon bucket and just walked it to the other bucket and poured it in? I never said like, he's like, I never said you had to use the cups that had the holes in it. Why would you use a cup that had a hole in it? That didn't work very well. And you were all just sitting there like, holy crap. But it was that high pressure environment. It was like, now slow down, gain control of your breath. Think about this. Like what's logical? How do we, and if you have a question of, can we transfer the bucket for point A to point B, they're going to say yes or no, but no one asked. So it was, that, right. it was just evolution after evolution like that. Right. So yeah. That was awesome. So I mean, that was, awesome was my, for me to watch. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mike was in, Mike experienced it. Uh, he was had literally like laying right 
next to Kenny and I with the camera just shooting everything. And uh, we can link that video in yeah, the show that's notes. That's up on our YouTube channel. Totally. Yep. Or you can cruise over to the Mountain Wellness uh, YouTube channel and check that out. Some some fun times. <laughs> fun um, times. <laughs> that's why I always joke about ice ice baths and, and cold exposure. So that was my first bit of... Uh, I basically, my first experience with breath work and, and it, and it was pretty cool because it was like Mike said, training with Navy SEALs. Um, it was put in a different context for me because breath work at that time, the only thing I ever knew of breath work was like yogis and, you know, therapists and stuff like that. You know, just take a deep breath and relax. And that never vibed with me. And it wasn't because I wasn't, I didn't f- believe in it. It was, it just, uh, I never felt anything, right? Like the sensation, which um, that was sort of my next next part of my breathwork journey was discovering Wim Hof, which was not well. And that's too very long interesting. You, that. you brought that up because if you're if you know like talking about the a yoga style breathwork or a down regulation, normally those situations you're not in a really intense, high-stress moment when they're teaching you that. Things are already pretty calm. You're probably sitting in a room that's really quiet, and they're saying, okay, now calm down even more. And and so that's it's, you're just not going to get the transition you would when you're <laughs> in ice water shaking, no. and they're like, calm down. get a, So that's a very big... There's a very big difference between those meditative-style breathworks and what we're talking about here. Yeah, because they were like... They, they press you hard in you know, pushing your, you're in this extreme environment, your body's reacting to it. And you could see yep. in real time that it was actually working. Like, oh, when I focus on my exhales, really long, prolonged exhales and mentally tell myself I'm not cold, I'm actually having my body's reacting to that versus panicking saying, holy shit, this water's cold. When am I going to get out of it? It was a completely different physiological reaction mm-hmm. that was happening. So, right. A true fight or flight reaction. Right. And you know what's interesting, and I'm reflecting on this now. So as I mentioned, that my the second part of my breathwork journey or exposure was Wim Hof, which is the opposite. Now you're talking about hyperventilating. Um, you know, his is really grounded in in CO2 tolerance or hypoxic breathwork, which is it I really enjoyed that too, because now you're not going necessarily into this like extreme environment like an ice tub and you're trying to maintain your that that fight or flight response um you're actually inducing that fight or flight response or you're like hyper arousing the nervous system by hyperventilating and doing breath retention uh but mike as you know the downstream benefits the physiological adaptations that happen through breath retention and hypoxic breath work also end up crossing over to extreme environments. So there's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting how you can, um, application is a big part of it. Like what breath you're using in the different environments. But, you know, as we're reflecting on this, it's interesting because I knew none of this. This was just my personal journey of like, okay, uh, first experience training with Navy SEALs, throw me in an ice tub. Okay. Start box breathing. Okay. Wow. That actually has, um, that works. There's something going on there. That was enough for me to dig in more. Went home, started researching, found Wim Hof, did Wim Hof. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm, uh, on my gym floor in the garage 
and uh, I'm feeling stuff that I'd never felt before as far as like, you know, doing these breath holds and you get the the numbness, the tingly, the, you know, sort of this euphoric endorphins, but then you flip over and I banged out a hundred pushups with no burn in my arms and my chest. And I was like, what? So then it's, <laughs> that was, and I'm sure you remember that, Mike. Do you, did you have that first experience with Wim Hof as well? Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that, and, and I found it through when I was talking to you, I knew you were doing breath work. My first initial reaction to it, even after seeing the seals do it was like, I don't see how I need this. I don't, I don't see how in my daily life this could benefit me. And boy, right. I couldn't have been any more wrong. Cause you know, you guys were athletes, you guys were performing at a high level. And I'm like, I mean, that's for you guys. That's cool. It must help you guys in some way. And that was a huge mistake on my part because I missed a couple of years of using this stuff. And I didn't know it would change creativity, my memory, my focus, yeah. my ability, my snoring. I didn't know all that. And so I was just thinking, well, you know, these guys use it for some, some high performance thing or whatever it is. And, I, and that, was a mis- that was a mistake. And I didn't, to be honest, I, at that point, other than the SEAL training, um, I never saw it as necessarily this valuable tool for like uh, uh or let me put it this way i never saw it as a practice i saw it more as like a tool that you could uh use in a situation you know going back to even our first episode the fourth pitch that was a situation where i was able to use box breathing but um the same technique i i learned at seal fit however at that point i was not doing a breathwork practice and we know now that a breathwork practice uh it 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 affects different biomarkers for example lung capacity co2 tolerance um circulation the, the, yeah, circulation which all of those benefit you in sport in you know in your mountain pursuits from a performance standpoint so that that took some time to realize like oh okay like actually implementing a breathwork practice has crossovers it's not just this tool that you can deploy out in the field um to calm the nervous system down we can actually Which, use it yeah. in training to train the you know the nervous system and our physiological responses or adaptations because i know you know this through cellular respiration that oxygen down to the cellular level that is what is the energy it's like your it's your energy system so if if you have oxygen and you're breathing dialed in you yeah. have your energy dialed in for the day yeah, whatever it, you want to do better oxygen utilization um mm-hmm. and that's funny too that you you bring that up because even in the beginning of our or i should say my breathwork journey it was always about oxygen 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 you need more oxygen and when i started out in my breathwork practices a lot of them were mouth breathing focused Mm -hmm. they were either in through the nose out through the mouth or even wim hoff um i don't know what he's he's teaching now but that was it was i know he i can tell you what he advocates now he advocates (laughs) (laughs) it's changed (laughs) it's either way now it's either mouth or the nose so yeah he's evolved it too because i think there's so much data and research now that supports uh nasal restricted breathing that that uh they've had to you know, I think they've had to open it up to say, you know, this is also acceptable, but we have our own view on that. And, uh, you know, we'll discuss that probably in the next episode, but yeah, yep. I think, you know, for 
while you were doing that, I was, um, it, it had no, it had, I had no interest in it until I got sick at elevation. Uh, my son and I out on a trip in the Sierras up, up, up in the Sierra Nevada, about 11,000 feet. One day we went on a day hike pretty fast, high up to, uh, a, a Cirque, a, uh, gosh, what do they call that? I forget the name of it, but, uh, it was, it was really high up. I can't remember, think of the name of it, but it was, it was high up, small lake. I really wanted to see it. And uh, I mean, there was literally snow melt going into it. It was an incredible spot. And on the way down, I got sick. I got back to camp and I got violently ill and I didn't know what was wrong. I I was I was totally incapacitated. Went in the tent. I'm like, I'm going to try to sleep this off. I told my son and he's young. He's like 12 years old. And I'm like, you're going to have to mm-hmm. walk out of here if I can't shake this, because I don't know what's wrong. Well, it turned out I had uh, mountain sickness. I had AMS. And you do not want to have AMS and be vomiting in the backcountry when you're, you feel very vulnerable because you know there's no help nearby. I mean, it's in your, it was rough. And uh, I never wanted it again. And when I got wind that Wim Hof had done some, using his breath work to go to elevation and thriving on Everest at like, 20 something thousand feet he's like near the death zone with no oxygen i'm like okay now there's something that if i could use this to benefit me at high elevation and and if this would help me because i love the high country man between like nine and twelve thousand feet is the most beautiful places on earth in the sierra nevada yeah and i didn't want to be up there dying huffing and puffing headache i didn't want any of that and so that was the journey from on my end. While you were going through the strength and conditioning, I began the journey of how do I adapt this for my high elevation travel? And, you know, of course, you know, as you know, in the course, how it turned out, I mean, it's changed everything. I no longer have any issues at high elevation. So that hostile environment, training for the hostile environments, we realized then it has everyday applications for us at sea level. Like we, we don't, you know, it just makes us superior in every way as far as performance so yeah it was just incredible to and at that point either of us didn't know much about what was going on from the physiological standpoint now we know it's like you know we'll dig into that stuff more as far as physiology goes in the future episode when we launch the course but uh, oxygen utilization and CO2 retention and the balance was is a, is a huge, huge component of that. And it's right. interesting because as you're telling the story, I remember perfect. So Mike was, he got really into uh, basically a form of, of breath work called um, hypoxia or intermittent hypoxic training. So really intense, deep diaphragmatic uh, nasal uh, breathing, inhale, exhale, but with long breath holds. So it's it's this is very well known in the free diving community. This is how free divers get their breath holds up to, you know, seven minutes. Which Mike is now up. You know, what's your best breath hold, Mike? Well, I, I average around seven or eight, but I have done ten as my longest. It's insane. That's like I'm even with m- me being into breath work and the the practice of breath work. I'm so impressed by that. But it's also what I'm getting to is we were focused in, in different areas. So Mike is getting really into this hypoxic, intermittent hypoxic training. Um, and we end up going on the first mountain wellness adventure challenge, which was like three and a half years ago. At that point, I was struggling with some personal health stuff. Um, 
sort of self-induced through the sauna. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but that's <laughs> you were in the sauna, man, frying your system yeah. like an egg, dude. Yep. Yeah, totally. So we we show up to um, we did the Twenty Lakes Basin Trail and uh, the Eastern Sierras, just out of Mammoth area, backside of Yosemite, and uh, you know we're it's up there. It's like what seven thousand. Um, seven thousand plus. Uh, no, up there you start about nine, and you go, and we were up at about eleven. That's the eleven thousand feet area. It's okay. high. Oh, that. Are you okay, start at ten? Me, I'm sorry. Yeah, you start at that ten. Makes and you we feel went a little a better. Thousand feet. Yeah, no, we were high. We were pretty pretty decent. That's where the headaches and the the lousy feelings start. About ten. Oh, uh, bro, that's and that's exactly what I was getting at. Is I remember we pulled into the parking lot and we ate a crappy breakfast because we didn't plan it out. I remember I, we went to Starbucks. And, uh, and, um, I got in the parking lot and loading the pack on, I'd already, I was already feeling like crap. I was already just feeling like that. Everything you explained earlier, kind of headache feeling almost, uh, dehydrated, all the, the signs of mountain sickness or the, the early right. signs of like acclimating, yep. acclimating. And here comes Mike with like a 40 pound pack. Cause everybody's clowning us cause we have the heaviest packs because <laughs> we're always like geared <laughs> out. <laughs> and I could tell you were just so dialed, bro. Like not only his fitness was dialed, but um, now I know it was his breathing. He had put, you know, this intense uh, focus into his breath work for, you know, the months leading up to this backpacking trip. Well, let's just say like Mike and Cameron both crushed it. Like Rob, my dad, and um, it was it Rob, my dad. I think that's it, right? Cameron. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah uh, Cameron's well, buddy too. But anyways, we were like we were sort of like the pack in the back and here's Mike literally like mountain goat running around us in circles like he would scout up, he'd run up trail like quarter of a mile, be like, "Yeah, yeah. Come back, run to us." Like, "Corey, all right, we got, you know, you got a rock boulder field coming up. There's a snow field." You could just tell his his respiration was dialed like and I wasn't in in you know, in tune with breath work as much as I am now, but just reflecting back on it, that is just a testament of all that intermittent yeah, hypoxic breath work that you did. Yep. Yeah. You I were didn't literally running it. back and forth, dude, like with a pack <laughs> on it, 10,000 feet, you were like jogging. Cause you were, remember how much you I trailed around, around the lake? Yeah. Cause I yep. thought somebody was sick or somebody was missing. Cause we got spread out. And so I ran to the car when Cameron had already gotten back and I was like, Hey man, I, and I, and your dad's like, you just ran halfway around the lake. What's like, you should do races. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not up for racing, but you know, yep. but it so made that me was a big turning crap, point. Just, yeah. And you felt great, right? You didn't have any. Yeah, no, I did. Uh, I, I never had any issues, man. And and that is the same place. Saddlebag Lake was the eleven thousand feet. That's where the same place, just like two years prior, that I was vomiting in that same spot. So think about the, the the incredible difference in the same place from vomiting to being able to run with a pack on, which is you know that's ridiculous. Almost. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Um, so that got me like I was feeling like crap that pretty much the whole trip. To the point where we had to kind of um we changed our our plan a little bit because we were going to proceed on and hike up into higher country and but we were like yeah let's let's that that camp spot was beautiful though but anyways i felt yeah. like crap um but going back to where i was at with experimenting with breath work mine was more applying it with um in crossfit or in my cross training 
So I was doing, at that point, I was really interested on the benefit, the recovery benefits. Like I was getting into mouth taping and doing just uh, all of my workouts from basically trying to maintain nasal breathing in all capacities. And it's so amazing. And that's where um, I, I kind of got away from doing a lot of the intermittent hypoxic breath work and the breath right. hold. So my breath hold times didn't go up because I would, wasn't putting a lot of focus in on that. But totally as Mike learned, when we got into the recovery den, when we started you know bouncing stuff off each other, the force rate that I developed um, through my cross training just doing nasal breathing, very fo- uh, focused on nasal breathing. Um, my, uh, just my mechanics, my breathing mechanics and my ability to come back to a resting heart rate or recover after an anaerobic or, uh, all out Dude, max it, effort, say sprint on the rower was just insane. Like I, it's so good. Um, dude. I, I call it bison breath because like I I've heard, <laughs> I've heard a bear when it, uh, close to a bear when it takes a deep breath in, it's an unbelievable sound. It was trying to breathe through what, what the food was in the locker, and I'm telling you that bear knew everything. And that sound, and I'm like listening to you breathe. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like this, you have developed your force rate and your your muscular, your diaphragm, yeah, your diaphragmatic breathing and ability to ex- the exchange rate of your air and carbon dioxide is unbelievable, man. And so there's that right. interesting how we both pushed really hard in specific areas and now we're putting them together in a course like this is so mm-hmm. amazing. Right. So that's where we figured out, okay, we know that nasal breathing is totally the way to go. It's in all capacities. Um, but then the importance of CO2 tolerance, um, you know, mm-hmm. lended you so well in a hypoxic environment in elevation doing all this you know, breath retention, these different exercises. So that's uh, putting that together. Um, we developed the Mountain Wellness Breathwork course and uh, our methodology. So it's pretty. Um, I mean, that's that's the amazing part about it. Just you know, reflecting on it now is being CO two tolerance is a big one, especially when we're talking about mountain pursuits because we're, it, it literally is a low oxygen environment. So right. the more the, the better CO2 tolerance you have, um, you are just, you're, one, you're not going to uh, feel the negative effects of ac- the acclimation process because um, your, your baseline, your CO2 tolerance is so much higher. So the, the you know, the, and most of you know this because I used to be there. It, I'm not a regular, um, never have been like a regular Advil or Tylenol or any like inset like ibuprofen user, but every time I used to go on a, a trip to elevation, it was like standard. The first couple of days I was popping ibuprofen because mm. of the headaches. Wow. Um, and that's pretty lot- common though. I mean, that's very, very common for most people. I think it's 60% of the population at like 10,000 feet get the headaches. And of course, yeah. once you push beyond that and that's, that's just, that's not carrying a pack uphill uh, you know, that's just hanging out at 10,000 feet. That's not like going for it. And so when you start going for it at 10,000 feet, you know, you're likely going to start feeling something. Right. And that's, and then go a step beyond that, you know, into more of an anaerobic pursuit, like, uh, right. Say right. Riding a half pipe snowboarding or riding a slalom course. Now you're, you know, elevated heart rate, 
um, in a, in a low oxygen environment. So now we're talking about like breathing mechanics, the closed system, nasal breathing is really important, but also, um, you know, just having the, the, the higher CO2 tolerance is going to lend so much better to, uh, to elevation, but going back to the dude, like I'm, yeah. you know, is such a common thing for me, even growing up. I remember my dad just like, Oh, here's some Advil, you know, it's, it's common to get a headache in elevation. Yep. It was just like this normal thing. And now it's something that I never experience. And if I am, it's like, all right, something's off and it's, you know, it, yeah. And you, that doesn't, you know but that, and, yeah. And, and those, those prescriptions are, are, are uh, well, those are over the counter, but those don't address the underlying problem, which is of just a weakened respiratory system that, that, that you can overcome that and not need those if you strengthen your respiratory system. But nobody really knows this stuff. Like nobody, that's not, you never learn this stuff anywhere. No. And it's, it's great. You know, we had the conversation with Dr. George Dallum from uh, Colorado state university. You know, he's, his group over there, his teams published some early research on the benefits of nasal breathing for endurance athletes. And so it, it's great to see that, um, it's starting to be studied and researched now. So we can actually, uh, know like, all right, this is what's going on from a physiological standpoint. And it's not right. just N equals one. Like, you know, when we, uh, like for me, you know, I just, I remember being, uh, this was still when I was going to CrossFit and a member at a CrossFit gym. And I remember doing Murph, um, with my mouth taped. And this was before, this was like way before it got popular. And everybody's like, and Kenny was doing it too. It was funny. We were both doing the, not knowing it. We were both kind of dabbling in breath work. And, um, dude, it was like, we were, we were definitely, something was going on. It was like, yeah, after I'm done, I just feel better. I recover faster the next day. I'm not as sore, but we didn't know. And now right. that there's, it's nice to know there's research going on. It's like proving it. Like, look, this and is, it, this is yes. what's actually going on. And at the, and I realized now that was the story when I was doing my trail running that I heard that you guys taped your mouth doing Murph. And I'm like, wait a second, what's this all about? Cause I know if you guys are doing something, there's something to it. So that's when I started uh, just trying to breathe through my nose while I was out running on the trail. I didn't even have a transition time. I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to breathe through my nose now while I'm running. <laughs> and I almost died going uphill, man. I was like, you guys are crazy. I mean, it's hard that transition. And yeah. so I did all that whole transition during my running and which is, you know, probably the one of the hardest ways you could, there's a lot easier ways to do it. And we have there other is. techniques I, now to, to make those <laughs> transitions, but, but I didn't know. Well, I was like, all right. It took me a while. Go. Like this, this, the, the thumb and, and pointer finger yeah. spreading technique, like to yeah. start developing a good airflow through the nasal passage, like through yeah. your sinuses. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely, there was a lot of experimenting and a lot of uh, sharing back and forth as we developed this this methodology and course. Yeah, it was fun, man. It, it just really, you know, it's fun because we experimented a lot, and we, and then we, and then we, we had all these successes, and then we went dug back and dug back into the science as to why, and so then we put all all that's in the course from the science side of what's happening to the body to, you know, you're seeing all the physical. Uh, application it's all everything is in there there's nothing we didn't leave we didn't leave anything out yeah it's, um, it's taken so long 
I was going to say it's pretty extensive, over 60 video modules uh, along with PDFs. So, and uh, the platform that we, we put it on is, is amazing. Um, so we're, we're really looking forward to bringing this to you guys. Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a true passion from both of us. I think that, cause I've never, like I said, I've never done anything this long, um, in a teaching aspect of, I've never, but we realize no. the, it's so valuable to everyday life, especially with work stress out there now. Like, I mean, I have friends of mine that stressed from like on their way to work, they're already having anxiety and like they're, they, can, they can feel it driving in. So, yeah. I mean, I know that the stress levels across the population are, are really high and, and this addresses all of it. And that's right. You know, and that's, we didn't, we didn't dig into that and we will as, uh, in a future episode and we really dig into what you're going to get into the course. But with that said, uh, we talked a lot about CO2 tolerance or the importance of CO2 tolerance, but uh, these, these exercises and these techniques also develop stress resilience. Um, and when we are in an environment in elevation, that's a stressful environment to our physiology mm-hmm. or, or our, our body. So if we can be more resilient, that's one aspect. And then there's also the emotional resilience. When you put yourself, uh, you, you take these different techniques and then say, uh, one of my favorite places to do my intermittent hypoxic breath work is in the sauna. So not only am I stressing the body out by doing breath work, which the, the, the stress adaptation that comes from doing it, that's where the adaptation, the recovery process is where we become stronger and more resilient so for me, it's like I'm already adding a stressor by doing breath holds and, and bringing my CO2 up, but I'm also adding heat into that. So, um, but doing that on a regular basis, uh, my stress resilience, my stress levels start to, uh, I be, become more resilient in those environments. So it's pretty, um, and in your day to day life with, with anything, that, yeah, you know, anything less than Ex- those experiences, it just makes you stronger. Yeah. So when I get a cranky client or, which I don't have too many of those, but <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I get a, I get my taxes and something like that. Your the stress responses, you still have it, but let's just say you come back to a baseline much quicker. You can kind of, um, you know, sit and swim in your stress all day long. And realize, yeah, not even being aware of it. And that's the thing is, is, is there's so much lack of awareness, I think. out. That's what they say. I think it's like 80% of our population has breathing problems, and we, we really shouldn't. You know, but, but think about it. Never in school, never a dentist. I've gone to the doctors, dentists. I've been, you know, all of it. They've never mentioned br- how to breathe, correct way of breathing in any application ever. And so I thought that was, you know. I did have a conversation yep. with my dentist on my last trip, though, and, and he started telling me stuff. I'm like, oh, you guys do know this. All right. Why? Well, I, I guess I was like, wait, do you not share any of this because this isn't good for business? I don't know. I'm sure that's not reason. Right. Like, I was like. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, is, it, it is amazing how they're across the board. And that le- that's the, exactly the reason why we chose to do a, a breathwork course for our first one. Um, with oh. m- many others coming down the pipeline as it relates to human performance. But um, I believe, and I know Mike believes this is the foundation of human performance. So it, mm-hmm. I never would have said that five years ago, um, but breath literally um, in really in all aspects to 
uh, in motion, in sport, in pursuit, to even recovery, to mindfulness, to um, stress inoculation, resilience, like it, and, and general health for that matter too. When you have oh, uh, yeah. strong, healthy lungs and um, upper respiratory infections, um, don't have a chance. So, and we know what we we know what that did the last two years with COVID. So having strong, healthy lungs, you cut the percentages down of, you know, your risk of uh, something like COVID. Well, and, and it's interesting because it touches on, you know, breath. I think we only relate breath maybe to exercise or certain th- aspects of our daily life. But I've been writing music for 20 years. Every week I have to come up with a piece of music that's original uh, and it has to be turned in regardless of how I feel. If I have a writer's block, doesn't matter. And I can say without a doubt that I, I do breath work, if not every single day, every other day, depending on what's going on. Sometimes I won't get it in. But it has changed. I feel like it has upped my creativity and made my workflow easier. And I can't point to any one reason why, but imagine I've been doing this music and now I've incorporated breath work on a regular basis because I believe it, it, it actually, and they say it enhances creativity. We get into it in the course, but it's yeah. just unbelievable that it affects things that we had no idea would be impacted by it on our, yeah. our physical, our physiology. And I had, I've had similar experiences for sure. Um, maybe not as much on the creative side, but energy. Like I've, I think, um, since I've implemented regular, uh, regular breath work practice, it really helps with sustained energy through the day. Obviously there's other aspects Mm -hmm. to that (laughs) nutrition and all that. But, um, man, when I do an early morning, 6am session, 30 minutes, like in the sauna and I get out, and body temperature comes back down and, you know, heart rate. And all of a sudden it's like the energy and focus that I have to go into the day. I can't, like, you can't get that from coffee or you you just can't get that from, um, I don't know, anything else no, that right. I've ever experienced. Absolutely. That is the search. It's, it's funny because we're all chasing energy through energy drinks, through coffee, through caffeine. And... I'm not saying they don't work. I mean, they do jack the brain for a while. I don't know what the impact is long-term. I have no idea. But you can do the same thing with oxygen. Uh, And I feel like it's more natural and I feel like it lasts longer. I feel like it impacts, it colors the whole day in in different aspects of it. And you'll know, you'll know. But it's interesting that, you know, we are chasing that energy that morning. (laughs) That morning, I got to get it going. And uh, yeah. And the older we get, the less energy, you know, that we have throughout the day. So I, that's where I'm at. I'm closing in yeah, on 40 totally. this year and energy is a big part of my longevity plan. It's like, how can I have long sustained energy to where I can, you know, keep uh, building mountain wellness and, and have the energy to start, you know, new things and new projects and also be, a, you know, a good husband and, and dad and um, be there for my family. And that all takes Dude, energy. 
I'm 56. If I can throw a pack on at 10,000 feet and start break dancing, I'm good, man. I'm going to be, <laughs> if I can do that, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, this is, this stuff works, man. This is legit stuff. Oh, and it's all natural. All right. There's no, there's, you know, you don't have to drink or eat anything, man. It's, you own this. It's, it's once you it's, understand it, it's free, man. Every day. It's true. Awesome. You're, you're, you got your breath. You start there. Start with your breath That's it. and shut Where your you mouth. <laughs> <laughs> totally. All right. Um, let's wrap it up here. Uh, as far as announcements go, Recovery Den's been popping. Um, I think it's all the Montanans are starting to come out of hibernation. Weather's warming up. So uh, we've increased our classes. We're up to four a week. I just brought on another yoga instructor. So. Um, We'll have the the updated class schedule on the website, which the new website is launched, and we're like super stoked on it. Um, so stoked on it. So you can find everything that we got going on over at mountainwellness.life. So uh, recent podcasts, any of our recent media, video footage, class schedules, and um, even book appointments here at the Recovery Den. So. Cruise over to mountainwellness.life and uh, also we'll have the breathwork course up there when we launch. So pretty stoked on that. Yeah. And then uh, speaking of break dancing, your boy got on the TikTok. <laughs> so you can find <laughs> you can find me at uh, Corey.read, C O R E Y dot R E E D. Um, and no, I probably won't be doing break dancing, but I'll be definitely delivering some day-to-day lifestyle stuff at the den and, and some health and performance tips. And I actually just posted the first video, little breathwork tip. So you can cruise over there and give me a follow. Um, Dude, as always, you can find I, Mike on Instagram too. What's your, uh, handle brother? Uh, Mike or uh, my mountain story. So my, uh, dot mountain stories. And you're still pretty active on that. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, it would be cool to have a TikTok video. You get get your prosthetic, get dialed in close up on that prosthetic and, and let's see what it could do. Cause that thing, those things are rad. <laughs> I love those things. Like I, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm so fascinated by how the, each, as each year goes by, they keep coming out with new advances with the prosthetics. And I love to see the technology of what, of what they've created and come, you know, how the new shock system, new, uh, I mean, you, you, we, the last time we went into the Sierras, you showed, you showed me your latest foot. Well, we, I was down with you in San Diego when they put it on and it yeah. made such a difference for you. When we went into the back country, you were like, this thing is ridiculous, man. I could like just yeah. bounce all over here. It's like a pogo stick. It's based on the, the running leg, the sea leg that you, most of you guys remember in the Olympics the or blades, yeah, the running run. blade. Yeah. So they sized it down. It's like a mini sea leg running gotcha. spring so um so yeah i need to do uh maybe that'll be it maybe i'll do a a, a tiktok uh box jump challenge see if i can break my previous uh i don't even remember what it was that was over 30 like oh, 32 dude. inch box jump you did a standing <laughs> jump on a washer and dryer <laughs> remember that? You, did, you jumped up on that dryer i was like don't break yeah, it or we're gonna even be a lot of trouble it, it's it's somewhere in the Instagram archives. You can like a Kelby ended up finding. Shout out to Kelby, but I brought that. I was like, dude, I found that on your Instagram. I was like, what? Oh, that was Standing years ago. Jump. So, but yeah, yeah boys crazy, got dude. hops. 
<laughs> boys got hops as an amputee um all right awesome. good show uh good topic we are really excited to bring you guys this course um so make sure to uh follow us on the socials and we'll be doing an email blast sign up on the newsletter in the email or on the website so you guys will know when we're releasing so yeah that's it you got anything mike nah man i just hope to see everybody in the mountains man yeah, me too. I need to get out in the mountains. So with that said, you guys keep spreading that mountain stoke and uh, we'll catch you on the next show. Peace. Later. The information provided on the Mountain Wellness Podcast is for educational purposes only and not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always consult a medical professional or healthcare provider if you're seeking medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.